0: The third win against the top ten, and the orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. And a three for the win battle. Bang! 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 Boom! It's the orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and
1: Seth Goldberg.
0: Good afternoon, everyone. Happy New Year, everyone. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock, 315-437-7644. Just one guest lined up for you today. We've got SU assistant coach Alan Griffin set to join us in the next segment. Other than that, we want to hear from you. Uh, our first show, Seth, literally in, in two weeks. You yeah. and I together. Right?
1: Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Did you enjoy your time off? I did. I did. I did. Got some time home, saw some friends, uh, saw Springsteen on Broadway. Successful week. I saw The Sandlot. I promised you. You did?
0: I promised our listeners. I think? promised you that I would watch it over Christmas break, and uh, I actually purchased it uh, for my son. So my son, my daughter, myself, we all sat there. We watched Sandlot. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, I don't know if I would go top five sports movies of all time, as some have suggested, but I can see why you would like it. Um, I'm not... A baseball guy, quote okay. unquote. So, wasn't my favorite movie I've ever seen, but I I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, so I, lo- I I'm lo- I'm love. I'm glad the that I line. saw it,
0: and and it was a great price. I mean, it was. I think I got it for four dollars. So, <laughs> four dollars well <laughs> all spent. All time
1: great movie. I loved
0: it, and uh, and now I feel like I'm a better parent because now both of my children have seen it. So now I just have uh, to so get all on
1: all the Rocky movies that I haven't seen yet. Well, and I did my the homework. Godfather- Apparently, I, you did I not saw, do yours. I saw parts of the Godfather over the week off.
0: Okay, that's a start. It's a step in the right direction.
1: Those are long movies, though. I don't know if I, I don't think I have the attention span for it. Got to chip away at it, one, you know, one at a time, as they say. Yeah, don't but even too one far of them. Ahead. But even one of them is really long. Like I don't, I don't think I have the attention span. It was on TV, so there are commercials and stuff. But it was blocked out for like four DVR hours. DVR it,
0: DVR it, and then you can fast forward through the commercials.
1: Well, it's coming to Netflix, I think, like today. Okay, good. So even better. There you go.
0: Chip away at it's like it's like being down sixteen, right? You got you can't get it back all at once. There's you know, no one, possession point at time, shot. one possession at a time. One possession at a time. We've got a lot to talk about. I mean. A lot of sports has happened, obviously, in the last uh, couple of weeks. We're going to talk a lot of SU basketball today. Again, we have Alan Griffin set to join us here uh, in the next segment. I-, I saw the tweet that you sent out before the show, previewing what we're going to have. You put the Bills first. I
1: did! So, can, Your maybe, bills. maybe we should mention the Bills first. How about that? Your Bills, making the playoffs. It's the first time in this millennium.
0: First time in my kid's lifetime. That the Bills have made the playoffs. And uh, and I, I was definitely Randy Quaid character in Major League over the weekend. You know, my son was so pumped for the game and excited. And this is the year, and they're going to get to play. And you're I'm just like, like, they're not going to do I it. I said, Luke, like, it, it, something's going to happen. And then, you know, the Bills are ahead, and the Ravens are losing by two touchdowns. And he's like, we're in. This is awesome. He's looking ahead to Jacksonville. He's talking about next week. I said, Luke, I, calm down. Just calm down. Something's going to
1: happen. You're basically sitting there saying, I've heard this story. Exactly. I've, I've read this story I said, before.
0: Something is going to go wrong, and then the Dolphins, you know, make this comeback, and and obviously the Bills hung on. But you know, then the the Ravens pull ahead, and God bless Andy Dalton for that fourth and twelve with under a minute to go. And uh, I can't believe it. My son was sobbing after the game, tears of joy. I mean, it was. It was an exciting weekend, and it was a great way to start the new year uh, for us Bills fans. I am I am shocked. I obviously did not think this was the year. Of all the years since 1999, I did not think that this was the year they'd get it done. Uh, but the Bills are going to the playoffs. It'll probably be one and done. But I tell you what, it feels like a big step in the right direction. And I said this yesterday, that just by them going out and winning a game that they had to win, that felt like a step in the right direction for me. Even if the Ravens had beaten the Bengals and they, they missed out on the playoffs, I still would have felt like progress was made for this franchise because so often they will go into a game that they have to win and they don't. And, and this year... And over the weekend, they got it done. They had to go to Miami. They had to win that game. They won that game. They won it convincingly. Although, obviously, the Dolphins made it interesting at the end, so the final score didn't feel like it was convincing. But they played well in a game that they had to win. So for me, it, it feels like a step in the right direction. A big step in the right direction for this franchise. And then to to end the drought and to get to the playoffs. That that's just that's icing on the cake.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's incredible. Think about where we were. Uh, Four months ago, right? Like, go back, go back to September 2nd, right? And it, and it's five days before the season. The predictions were start. four and 12. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, we're five days before the season. You had traded away Sammy Watkins. You had traded away Reggie Ragland. You had traded away, uh, Ronald Darby, the top corner. like you, you had traded everything of value off this team. You were coming in with a new coach, a new GM that you had just hired two months prior because you wanted to wait for some crazy reason until after the draft to fire everybody. Um, there were no expectations. The expectations for this team were, we're going to lose a bunch of games. And we're going to draft Sam Darnold, or we're going to draft uh, Josh Rosen, or we're going to draft Josh Allen, and we're going to have our quarterback, right? Like, that was the expectation for this team. Lose a bunch of games, get a good draft pick, and then all of a sudden, you're, like, good, right? Like, that, that team was just good, and there was no real explanation for it. And, yeah, you trade away Marcel Darius, but he wasn't doing anything anyway. You end up adding a piece at the deadline in Kelvin Benjamin. And think about how big that's been because you don't have a real go-to th- receiving threat on that team outside of him. Uh, you know, it's really amazing to see the progress this team has made, especially given where you were at the beginning of the year. And, yeah, they struggled down the stretch. And they weren't a very good team towards the end of the year. Uh, but they still won those games that they needed to, right? And, yeah, it took Andy Dalton uh, to make Bills fans forget about the Nathan Peterman start, but it 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 ended up happening, and, and you're in the playoffs for the first time in, in forever. That does feel like the
0: one gaffe this year, obviously, was the benching of Tyrod and inserting Nathan Peterman, and I don't think Sean McDermott handled that well at all. We talked about that at length and how McDermott... Would not go back on it and say, you know what, I made a mistake. He said all along, this is what I was planning on doing and I'd do it again. And yeah, it didn't work out, but I don't regret it. And I think that that was, he did not handle that well even after the fact. He should have said, you know what, I should have stuck with Tyrod. You know, Nathan wasn't ready. We thought he was, but he's not. Whatever it may be. Right. Basically saying, I didn't do the wrong thing. I don't think that played very well with the fans, with the media, so on and so forth. But everything else that he's done, every other button that he has pushed has been the right one. And it, it does. Feel like to some degree they're doing it with smoke and mirrors. Um, and they're certainly going to have to do it with smoke and mirrors on Sunday if they're going to somehow win in Jacksonville. Shady McCoy, you know, down with injury. I I doubt that he's going to play. I know. Sean McDermott said, "There's a chance he'll play. Mike Tolbert
1: is just going to carry the load here.
0: I, I just I don't know how McCoy plays in this game given the injury that he has, and you know to go on the road and to, to go up against that defense. Bills
1: offense is Doug Marone is coaching up a juggernaut down well, there. too. I mean,
0: he's got a great defense. He's got a great running game. The Bills have trouble moving the ball as it is, and if McCoy doesn't play, I don't know how they're going to win this game. But again, it's almost but it's almost beside the point." The, the, the right. fact of the matter it, is it this, feels like it doesn't this matter. franchise took a step in the right direction. Right.
1: It, it feels like it doesn't matter what comes next week and what comes on Sunday. Like, they made the playoffs, and you no longer have to hear about the music city miracle you never you, you know or well you do but not in the same you know way you don't have to hear about 18 years you don't have to hear about how it's the longest drought in professional sports anymore like that's over and done with and even if you go one and done and even if you lose on sunday okay well guess what next year if you don't make the playoffs like you have this year to lean on but if you do make the playoffs then you take that next step forward and and you can at least feel like there's some tangible progress right like this team at least feels like they're going in the right direction, which for much of the last 18 years they didn't. Like it feels like there's a a, a good direction that they're going in, and now. it feels like they're
0: ahead of schedule, right? I mean, they bring in you know the new coach and the new GM, and and th- this was not supposed to happen in year one, right? Not even close. Again, we know the prediction predictions: four wins, five wins, whatever it may be. They get to nine wins, they get into the playoffs. Again, likely will be one and done. I'm not. You know, unrealistic. I realize this is going to be a tall order to go down to Jacksonville and win this game, but again, it's it It feels like they're already ahead of schedule, and so being a Bills fan, this is a, a great start uh, to the new year. We do need to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk some SU basketball. Bills certainly on the table. NFL on the table. College football on the table. We now have our national title game set. We'll get to all that throughout the show. Alan Griffin joins us next. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls on right after this on ESPN Radio.
1: This is Orange
0: Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are powered by Drivers Village, and we do have our college football national championship game.
1: Set. I got both games wrong.
0: You didn't think Bama would beat
1: Clemson? Nope. No, I thought Clemson was really good and that they would win. I don't know why, but. It- you give Nick Saban that much time to prepare. I know. for that, a team that he knows a lot about. Yeah. Well, see the thing. Yeah, the the thing is that I, I've looked at it over the course of the year, and and like I, I thought Clemson was a, a really good team, probably the best team in the country over the course of the year, and and their one loss up here. Let's face it, Kelly Bryant wasn't right, right? Like he was hurt, and and he wasn't doing the things that even he was doing last night when he had success. So I thought that they would give uh, at least a better game, and and I thought that they would win, but.
0: The tone was sent right from the start, right away, and the the drop by Dion Kane uh, in that first quarter, where it would have been a first down, and then it led to another three and out, and then they punt, and Alabama goes down and scores, and it, it just it felt like Clemson. I don't want to say they were flat because how could you be flat in a game like that? But they came out and it did
1: seem like it though, didn't they? It?
0: Did not play well from the get go, and you know to go through the first quarter with negative three yards or whatever it was at the end of that first quarter, it just felt like there's no way they're winning this game and and even when you know they got negative the turn- seven actually, is that what it was and and even when they got the turnover to start the third quarter it felt like that was the you know the the ultimate turning point in the game they were unable to cash it in they settled for a field goal and then it just it felt like it
1: ended from there yeah, I, I mean that, that was it when when they didn't score a touchdown off of that turnover they had prime position they were getting the ball back when they should have been kicking off and they had to kick off like that they, they yeah they, the fact that they couldn't score a touchdown there, I think was killer. I think that was the game. And and it's crazy to think about that because there were still, you know, the large part of two quarters left in that game. Yeah. Uh, but that that
0: really felt like it was it. That that felt like it was it for me at, at that time before Alabama even went down and extended the lead. It just felt like they didn't get in. They had a chance to pull even and kind of, you know, fresh start in, in the second half and to settle for a field goal there and, and to still be behind. Uh, that, that certainly felt like the game. As for the other game... Uh, how that good was, was, awesome. was Oklahoma in Georgia?
1: That was awesome. That was so much fun to watch. That was so enjoyable. Uh, the last two, the last two uh, Rose Bowls now, and, and last year's wasn't a playoff game. Last two Rose Bowls have been unbelievable. Yeah. They've been so, just highly entertaining. Uh, and, and look, Baker Mayfield was great at times. Uh, struggled a lot in the second half. Credit a lot of that to Georgia's defense. Uh, Sonny, Michelle, and uh, and Nick Chubb were incredible in the second half and overtime. I don't think that they got stopped once. Uh, but that game was so fun, and they were just going back and forth and back and forth. That uh,
0: that kicking gaff right before the half that certainly Brutal. came back to to haunt Oklahoma with five seconds left, or I guess it was a little bit more than five seconds left when they kicked off. But they were going to squib it. And Georgia was able to to recover like immediately, then complete, completed a pass and ended up kicking you know fifty plus yard field goal uh, as time expired in, in that first half. Those three points uh, came back to, to haunt Oklahoma, and it was a case where. You know, Oklahoma, I thought got a little too cute with that. Just, yeah. Just kick it away, or obviously you have to execute that better. If you're going to squib it, you well, got to. Well, I think it. that was the point. They, the, they the, didn't want to give it yes. to Sonny Michelle. Understood. All the, way.
1: the goal, they, like, if you gave it to him, he very well could have returned it. How many? No, as
0: well. This is what but, I would say, though. We saw a lot of kickoffs in this game. How many of them went through the back oh, of the end zone?
1: Sure. Just, just blasted. It through the back just it. And then it's, you know, it's Oh, a, I'm with you. It's I, a I kneel
0: down, and you go into the locker room, and, and instead, you know, again, those three points came back to haunt him.
1: Yeah, there's no way. That I'm trying to get cute with, with kicks. Uh, I, I'm. That's not like in in my thought process. But I, I think that I, like I kind of get what they were doing. Like if it was Sonny Michelle and I, I don't remember off the top of my head uh, who was back there. I, I don't want to give it to him. Right. Like and look. Even after that, it took a 55 yard kick to like even make it matter. And it took a gutsy play call. Right, they had five seconds on the clock, and they called that out route. And if Kirby Smart's not sprinting down to get that time out, or the ref doesn't see him, the clock winds out. Right, and then oh, by the way, they had to kick a fifty-five yard kick. So you know, even with screwing up the kick by Oklahoma, like it took the perfect sequence of events to happen. Longest kick in Rose Bowl history
0: shouldn't have happened.
1: No. Shouldn't it, have happened. It shouldn't have happened. It should have been a
0: kneel down and, and those three points shouldn't have happened. But I think we're setting ourselves up for a fantastic title game, uh at Alabama, Georgia, uh next week down in Atlanta. It should be a lot of fun.
1: And and I know they both lost, but over the course of the year, who were the two best teams in college football? Right? Like like for most of the season we were sitting here saying Alabama and Georgia are the two best or two of the three best teams in college football. Yeah. So, like, we can sit and we can complain about, oh, Alabama shouldn't be in, and, and I could sit here and say, hey, they didn't have the resume to be in, they hadn't beaten anybody, but like, we got the final that we wanted, right? I don't know if, if we, we got it the final well, we it, wanted. If it, if I, it wasn't going to we... be Alabama-Clemson, because it couldn't have, they matched them up together, right. but... You know, like, we ended up kind of, sort of, with what we wanted.
0: Yeah, I don't love the fact that we've got a matchup of two teams from the same conference. No, and,
1: and I get that, and and I know that a decade ago we had two SEC teams in the BCS championship game, and that's why we have the playoff. Uh, but I, I don't see so much changing. Um, I did hear a really interesting thought earlier on, on Dan Levitard's show, the UCF uh, athletic director was on, and he made a really interesting point that I hadn't thought about. He said the problem with the BCS wasn't the rankings. Like, the problem with the BCS was that you only had two teams. So he basically said, why don't we have the four-team playoff and just use the BCS rankings? And you combine the AP with the, the computers and the coaches' polls, and, like, those rankings were, for the most part, all right and, like, didn't kill anybody. Um, and like, kind of had teams where they should be. He wasn't
0: suggesting that Central Florida would have been in the top no. four no, no, in no, the no, computer no, no, no. rankings. No, he okay. wasn't. He All wasn't.
1: Right. But he he did say that those rankings tended to give mid majors and non Power Five teams a little bit more respect
0: because it took into account wins and losses. Right. It took into it would have taken into it account more a, right. that Central Florida was unbeaten than necessarily the human they're, element. They're Central Florida. Right. Understood.
1: I mean, I don't necessarily agree, but I, I thought it was an interesting point that I hadn't really heard vocalized before. Of like. Those rankings weren't terrible. Like, it was that we only put two teams in the final, which we didn't like.
0: I'm kind of torn on what to do with a team like Central Florida. I am, too. Because are they one of the four best teams in the country? No.
1: Right. I don't think they are either,
0: but they won every game right. and moving forward, when when you establish yourself as a as a dangerous team outside the power five, nobody's gonna want to play you. So you could say, Well, go play someone in the non conference. You can't nobody's gonna want to take that game, or no. if they do, they're
1: taking that game at home, right? They're not taking right. that game at a neutral site or, you know, at Central Florida. Like like the one game that they had scheduled this year, it got canceled because of the hurricane, right? But they they had Georgia Tech scheduled. You think Georgia Tech is gonna go play at Central Florida? No. I don't like you know like that like that's the example like the perfect example like, they, Georgia Tech's not a good team but like if they had played Georgia Tech and beaten Georgia Tech like I bet they would have gotten a whole lot more credit come the end of the year yes. because at least you could point to oh well look they went and beat an ACC team uh, but you're not gonna get that
0: no. Because the, the big boy has too much to lose, right? It, it, like, Alabama's not taking that game, because if they win that game, they don't give any credit, and if they lose it, and, and Central Florida is good enough, you know, dangerous enough that, that maybe, right. you know, you could lose that game, and if you lose it, now all of a sudden your, your margin for error the rest of the season is it's gone. Nothing. So nobody's taking that well, game. One of the big boys is not taking that game in week one or week two of the season.
1: Right, and all you have to do is is you point to USC or you point to Ohio State, right? If If Ohio State had scheduled Akron instead of Oklahoma. They're in the playoff, right? Like, if they had scheduled Akron instead of Oklahoma, they're in the playoff instead of Alabama. Like, and if USC had scheduled somebody instead of Notre Dame, which they would never do because they play Notre Dame every year, but that's besides the point. Like, they're in the playoff because they have one loss and they're the Pac 12 champ. So, yeah, nobody's going to take a chance and schedule UCF See, when you might lose. This is
0: exactly why. And I know you're not a big 18 playoff proponent, but this is exactly why I want the 18 playoff because it would benefit you to play those tough games. Like if you're one of the big boys and, and you lose it, you still have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, if I you win it, benefits. it helps your case.
1: I think it still benefits because, like Oklahoma, like that the the big thing on their resume was wow, they went to Ohio State and they won. Last year, the reason State got in was they had Oklahoma in the non-conference. So I, I think it's still, I but think it, there's still a huge benefit flip to side of those that,
0: games. Yes, but the flip side of it is, as you said, you lose, Ohio State, right. you lose and you don't make it in well, because of that game. So well, don't lose to Iowa by 35 <laughs> points. <laughs> understood, understood. I just think if you're a college football fan and you want more of these marquee matchups, these quality matchups, I think the 18 playoff, if you expand the playoff, you're going to get more quality games because teams aren't going to be as afraid to play those games. Because if you lose, you know what, you can still bounce back and make the right. 18 playoff but if you lose it under the current system as you said Ohio State can point to that game and say man if we didn't schedule Oklahoma we're probably you only know, playing we, in the national semis if only we
1: hung 70 on Akron instead of losing to Oklahoma it's
0: an interesting topic anyway we could keep that on the table we could keep NFL on the table we're, we're going to switch gears we're going to talk SU basketball when we kick off hour number two right after this phone lines open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644 gotta take a time out live from Armory Square This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Phone lines open this entire hour, 315-437-7644. We want to hear from you. On SU basketball, big win for the Orange in the ACC opener Sunday night at home over Virginia Tech, 68-56. I did not expect... um, the ease with which syracuse was able to dispose of virginia tech on sunday seth i'm not surprised necessarily they won the game but to hold that team a team that had been averaging over 90 points per game to in the 50s um great defensive effort and and the more you watch these guys play and i said this early on in the season i know you agreed i said this team's going to be fun to root for if you're an su fan and 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 a team that's that's fun to watch because you know they're going to give you effort, and not that last year's team didn't didn't try and give you effort. They could not figure out the defensive end of the floor. They just could not. There were so many new pieces to the puzzle. They did not understand the zone. Maybe some of them weren't invested in the zone. It, it's tough for the fifty-year guys to make that transition. I get all that, but that team was awful defensively. This team is terrific defensively, and you know we're going to see games against Duke and Florida State and Virginia and like really good teams, North Carolina. Syracuse is going to, by and large, be in a lot of those games because, because of the of way defense. they play defense. And I'm not saying they're going to win them, um, but they're going to be in a lot of games, and they absolutely um, are. And that
1: gives you a chance to to get
0: where you want to go this year.
1: Yeah, no, they they absolutely are. That that stood out to me for sure. Uh, the fact that they were able to hold this team down uh, and really, you know, just just keep them at bay offensively. You know that it, you mentioned it earlier, but. Virginia Tech had been scoring ninety plus points a game, and they came in and scored fifty six. Um, and the other thing that really impressed me, really impressed me, is when Virginia Tech did get hot, and uh, you know they they made a run, and and Syracuse had a twelve point lead. They went on a you know a twelve zero run, uh, or. I should say yeah, there was a fifteen point lead, fifteen point lead, twelve run to three. Yeah, and then Syracuse answered with an eleven point run, right? And I was really impressed that it seemed like every time that Virginia Tech came back, and that was really the the closest that they got. But when they pushed, right, like Syracuse had an answer, and I was really impressed by that because I, I didn't think this team was great offensively by any means in this game. They were good, they were all right. Um but I was impressed by the the punchback right like they got they they were winning comfortably they were winning by 15. that game got tight that game got close and then all of a sudden it wasn't again
0: and again it's the it's the three guys stepping up when they need them to. Virginia Tech cuts it to three 34 31 14 and a half minutes to go Syracuse as you said scores the next 11 points if you extend it out it was actually a 17 to three run Syracuse went from up three to to Up 17 right. uh, with that 17 3 run. You look at who scored during that stretch Brissett on a drive, Brissett free throws, Howard. The only guy outside the big three that scored during that 17 3 run was Moyer, but it was off a beautiful feed that from was Battle. incredible. Yeah. Then Battle hits a three, then another drive from Brissett, then another free throw from Brissett, and then Howard again. And it's those three guys, and we talked about this a week or so ago. Well, I guess it was more than a week ago. We haven't done a show in two weeks. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about whether or not this was sustainable. And and so far, it has been. Those three are so good, game in and game out. They've been so consistent, and the defense has been so good. And the rebounding continues to be consistent, especially on the offensive end. They're getting about... 40% 40% or so of their own misses, which is which is unheard of. And it's uh, among the top 10 in the country in that statistical category. And again, they got 37% of their misses against Virginia Tech. Right. They had nine offensive rebounds. They had 24 missed shots. That's incredible. And that formula, defense, rebounding, and those three doing enough,
1: enough offensively, again, I'm not sure it's sustainable, but so far it has been. And, and Steve, the other part that I think is really important is You look at the other end of the rebounding, right? Because we we talk about defense, and that's an easy thing to to, to just throw out. But offensive rebounding, they're getting about 40% of their offensive rebounds. Uh, In this game, Virginia Tech missed 34 shots, and Syracuse picked up 30 defensive rebounds. So it's not just offensive rebounding, it's not just extending possessions, but it's keeping possessions, uh, you know, it's it's limiting possessions on, on the other end. And we know this team's not a very good three-point shooting team. So what do you have to do? You have to crash the boards and you have to create extra possessions. And that's what this team does, which which I find incredibly impressive. And we saw that again in that game. And, look, if Frank Howard ties battle and O'Shea Brissett are going to keep uh, combining for somewhere around 60 points, you're going to be in a lot of games, right? Like, if you've got those three who are all scoring 17 to 25 in a game— You're going to be in a lot of games. And let's not forget, Matthew Moyer had a double-double
0: on Sunday with the 11 points, 13 rebounds. And again, are you going to get 11 points out of him game in and game out? No. No. It's nice that you get that offensive boost here and there, but if he can do that on on the backboards, and that's what we said before the season even started. We said, you know, you compared him to Tyler Roberson. You you give this team eight points, eight boards from Moyer. Take it and run. They're gonna be that much better and that much more dangerous. He had thirteen rebounds, including one stretch where he had a bunch of offensive rebounds in a row. He had he finished with four offensive rebounds. They all came in the span of like two possessions.
1: And oh, by the way,
0: he stayed on the floor for thirty seven minutes. He did. And they and they needed him to. And and they're going to need every guy to contribute. If you're down to literally a six-man rotation with Howard Washington sprinkled in for a minute here or there to give one of those guys a rest. Again, it's it doesn't seem sustainable, but they are making it work to this point. 315 437 Back to the phone lines. We go John in Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Hey John.
1: Happy New Year, man. Same to Happy you. Happy New Year. Two questions for you. Um As I was sitting in the stands, I kept wondering if that referee who got his shiny new whistle for Christmas, because he kept on blowing it and blowing it and blowing it, was his name Smalls? (laughs) Because he was killing me. Uh, Steve gets that now. I do get that. Did you hear at the top top of the show? Both sides of the ball. John, did you? Every time there's any sort of flow to the game, the guy was just blowing his whistle.
0: John, I don't know if you caught the top of the show. I watched the movie. I, did not. I, 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 I saw the movie. I bought it for my son. It was four dollars. I now have seen Sandlot. So And it it's probably the best four dollars you've ever seen. It, it may very <laughs> well have been. Uh very good movie. Appreciate you turning me on to it. So I I promised you I would I would watch it over the Christmas break. I did, so I did my homework. Uh but but thank you for suggesting that movie. Uh yes, there were a lot of whistles in that game. Really both ends. Um I, I still go back to if you want to talk officiating. I still go back to that call against se in the St. Bonaventure game. Sure, Th- that very well could have cost Syracuse a, a quality win. When all said and done, but again, not gonna not gonna hurt them on Selection Sunday. But it's a, it's a shame they don't have that Bonaventure win uh, in their back pocket, especially
1: if you're battling with St. Bonaventure <laughs> yeah, for that spot. Right, and and that's I mean
0: that's a big win for the Bonnies. And I don't Huge. know if, if they'll be good enough to get an at-large bid uh, this year. That league will be good enough to get multiple teams in. Maybe they will. Um, but that was a big win uh, for the Bonnies and they've got that road win at Syracuse uh, in their back pocket. We do need to take another timeout. We're up against the clock. Phone lines remain open, 437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio.